Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. I'm sorry. Before we get to Justin Verlander and the Mets pivoting and repurposing, whatever you want to call it, the Tuesday night loss to the Kansas City Royals was just, I mean, so, so freaking typical. And I know I couldn't be the only one after a very eventful day in Met history to sit down on my overweight tuchus, watch a Met game, and hope to watch a victory. Just Hope to watch the Mets win. And, you know, Pete Alonzo hits a bomb of a home run and they have a one nothing lead. You just know one nothing's not going to be enough. And Jose Quintana, because the Royals are playing little ball, gives up a cheap run in the fifth inning. And then they fall behind in the seventh inning when Buck Showalter took Quintana out. In my opinion, one batter too early. Let him finish the seventh inning. But, of course, we need to see Trevor Gott. We got to see Trevor Gott, who promptly gives up an RBI single. And this was that back-and-forth, weird kind of baseball game that I thought the Mets were actually going to win when Francisco Alvarez hit the two-run home run. And I should have known better because this day was never going to end in a positive way in the short term. And I should have known it in the eighth inning when the Kansas City Royals, one of the worst teams in the history of baseball, they're that bad. They just get overshadowed by Oakland. When Dylan Coleman is walking the building and he's trying to give the Mets the game, and while they take the lead, and that's great, it should have been more. They should have busted that game open right then and there. And you just knew one run wouldn't be enough. And when Adam Adovino is walking the leadoff guy in the eighth inning, and again, the Royals are doing those little things, stealing their 800th base of the game, and they come back and tie it, you could just feel that this was going to have some kind of creative kicking the balls kind of ending. Alvarez hits the two-run bomb. We're all giddy. He's the hope for the future. And Brooks Raley, who I'm glad they didn't trade, but maybe on this night they should have traded him, promptly lets the Royals come back and tie the game. I'm not even kidding, within 30 seconds. It took 30 seconds for Bobby Witt Jr. to hit the RBI double, and for MJ Melendez to hit a bloop RBI single. But then, of course, we need to just be punched and kicked. Brett Beatty, and God bless him, he's got to play every day, and we know it, makes a terrible throw on a routine ground ball to third base that should have ended the game. Or not ended the game, taken it to the 11th. So at least we extend this thing. Grant Hartwig forgets to throw a strike, but don't worry. We got Jordan Walker coming in, and then we have, for the first time in the history of baseball, a walk-off pitch-com balk. I've seen walk-off balks before. You could look this one up. I think Greg McMichael of the New York Mets had a walk-off balk in, like, 1997. I, I don't know why I have this memory, and I'll tell you what the memory is. I was in the parking lot at the Meadowlands for SummerSlam 1997, the one where uh, Shawn Michaels 
hit The Undertaker accidentally with a chair and Bret Hart won the title for some reason. And I could be dead wrong about this. On that day, while listening to the Mets on a radio, Greg McMichael issued a game-ending balk. It may have been a wild pitch. We'll have to look that up at a later date. But you can't make this up. They lose the game on a balk. And here's what's so frustrating. Was it a balk? Yes. Should the umpires have at least granted the pitch comm timeout prior to calling the balk? Yes. It's obvious the guy just came into the game. Josh Walker is having an issue with pitch comm. So he makes the pitch comm signal. Nobody does anything about it, whether it's home plate umpire, Ryan Blakeney, or John Tupain, the third base umpire. Then he does balk, no doubt. Alvarez comes to the mound. We just figure it's a regular mound visit. And then in delay, they call the balk. And I know at the end of the day, does it matter? 50 and 56, 51 and 55. After the events of Tuesday, none of this matters. But you know what? Damn it. It mattered to me. It mattered to you, Pete. I could tell. I could feel it. I could feel it just looking at you in our little Zoom during the Rico. You're pissed off that they lost this game this way. Yeah, no, uh, that's as frustrating of a loss all season. It sums up the whole season. But, like, after a day like today, it would have been nice if you saw a big moment by a like, youthful guy like Alvarez and they get a win. It's like, you know what? This is not the end of the Mets season. Maybe there's still something left in the tank. It's just like, oh, wait, no, it really is. If they sold and it's done. <laughs> You're right, though, because if they win and we were going to do this pot anyway to wrap up the day's events, I, I guarantee we would have had two minutes of, well, they're 51 55. Okay, let's do some math here. I can kind of see it. Kodai Senga dominates the rest of the year. Cookie Carrasco picks it up. And instead, we're just put out of our misery. I, I don't know if I'll call this the worst loss of the year because the season probably ended weeks ago and it certainly ended in the last few days. But just a final nail in the coffin of one of the worst seasons in the history of the franchise. And we will have a pot at some point debating that, debating the merits of 2023 as the worst season in the history of the Mets. But on this day, it was about the new reality we all live in. So let's start there. First of all, if you want an instant reaction to the Verlander trade, I was on the air with Tiki. Go to our podcast. Go to the Evan and Tiki podcast. I certainly reacted to it live. And it happened early in the show. And there was that moment of what they get, what they get, what they get. I obviously later find out Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford is what they got. I think on Monday, it became obvious that this was going to happen. As much as it scared me and as I was against it, I think on Monday you heard so much smoke of the Mets shopping Verlander and talking to the Dodgers and the Orioles and the Astros that I think if you're going down that road of talking as much as they had talked over the last two days, they were going to do it. That obviously they were going to try to milk out as much as they can get and they needed Verlander's approval on where he was going to go. But they clearly made the decision with the max trade that it wasn't just going to be one of them. It was going to be both of them. So we were all split as Met fans. I know I was in the camp of I'd rather not trade either guy. Salicata was in the camp of just trade Max Scherzer. And I'm sure there were some who said, blow the whole thing up and trade both of them. Obviously, as somebody that was in the camp of, let me see if they can make this thing work, trade the free agents to be, not replenish your system, but get young players for those guys while simultaneously trying to keep yourself sort of relevant this year 
but also reload for next year, they clearly decided that was not the way to go. The David Robertson trade was the first blow. The Max Scherzer was the second blow. And then obviously what they did with Verlander. Here's where I'm very, very mixed about everything. There is no doubt that what Billy Epler and Steve Cohen have done over the last five days has just changed this Met Farm system in an incredibly big way. Now, saying the farm system is now ranked very high doesn't mean that all these guys are going to pan out. As we know, you never know with prospects. They're sort of like lottery tickets. But they used, Cohen used, his financial might to buy a farm system. As we sit here right now, if you go to MLB.com, the number two prospect in the Met farm system is Luis Angel Acuna. He is here because of money. The number four prospect in their farm system is Drew Gilbert, the key man they acquired back in the Verlander trade, a top 100 prospect, an outfielder, a speedster, a feisty kind of guy. He is now their fourth best prospect in the system, and that came because of money. Ryan Clifford, the other piece they got back in this Verlander trade, is the sixth best prospect in their system. Marco Vargas, one of the kids they got back in the David Robertson trade, is now their ninth best prospect in their system. Justin Jarvis, who they got back in the Marcana trade, is now their 15th best prospect in their organization. Coleman Crow, who they got in the Eduardo Escobar trade about a month and a half ago, is their 16th best prospect. Ronald Hernandez, who they got in the David Robertson trade, is now their 21st best prospect. Jeremiah Jackson, who they got for Tommy Pham, is their 22nd best prospect. Luis Rodriguez, who they got for Dominic Leone. No, that, that was Tommy Pham, actually. I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to keep this all straight. I think Luis Rodriguez was for Tommy Pham. He's their 27th best prospect. They have with money being the impetus of this, change their farm system. And there will be a day, maybe a part of it is today, but mostly down the road, where that's damn exciting that Steve Cohen did something revolutionary. He used his money to not just buy free agents, but to spend on a part of a contract that made a player so valuable that you were able to purchase minor league prospects. And it's a weapon that he used. And that's great for the future, but it sucks for today. And I think it sucks for next year because their chances of competing, forget this year, that's out the window. Let me take that part out. Who cares about this year? It's over. They trade David Robertson. We all knew it was over. But they have made competing next year very, very difficult. And that's the negative. The other negative is Max Scherzer, who's got a big fat mouth, but I'm glad he does. I'm glad he opened up his mouth because I want truth. I want to know what this team is going to do. We all do. We don't want to be in suspense. We want to know, are they going to try to win next year? Max Scherzer's got the message from Billy Epler that they're not. Now, we're going to debate that today because I'm not sure what that means. This can be interpreted a lot of different ways, but clearly Scherzer got a message that told him, hey, we're not winning next year. Get me the hell out of here which the Mets needed to get these prospects back. They needed Scherzer to say yes to Texas. Otherwise, Luis Angel Acuna, their number two prospect, is not here. They needed Verlander to say yes. Otherwise, Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford are not here. So were they sending a message to Scherzer and Verlander that maybe isn't the reality of what their plan is? We could all hope that. 
But then what are they telling Lindor? What is Steve Cohen telling the roster? So I get that what they did on Monday and what they did over the weekend, or what they did on Tuesday, I should say, really helps enhance the future. I'm not naive to that. I just went through all the prospects they added, and they did it using financial might, using aging Hall of Fame pitchers. But we all want to win. And we want to win now. And my now I don't mean 23, I mean 24. And they've made the job of winning in 24 very, very difficult. So here's where I think I'm at, having a whole day to interpret this. Long term, this was the right thing to do. It is. Long term, they made the right decision for the organization. But how much pain are we going to have to suffer short term? That's what I want to know. Because it also doesn't make a lot of sense with Lindor in the prime of his career and Nimmo in the prime of his career and Pete in the prime of his career. And I'll give you another guy nobody's mentioning. Edwin Diaz in the prime of his career. It doesn't make sense to have those four guys waiting around for 2026. So what's going to happen now is the real question. And what I would hope is that financially they will continue to use it as a weapon and buy free agents pitching because their pitching rotation, forget this year, I'm talking about next year, features only two guys that you can write down in permanent ink. Kodai Senga, who's had a fine rookie year, and Jose Quintana, who is rock solid. Despite missing the first half of the year, he usually makes his starts. He is a solid mid to back of the rotation arm. And those are two nice pieces, and they're both on pretty affordable contracts, but that's it. And if you want to compete for a wild card spot, because that's all I'm asking for, by the way, I want to compete to make the postseason, you have to add at minimum, minimum two starting pitchers, but probably three. Because if you add two, now you're relying on whether it's Mike Vassell, Dave Peterson, Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, and then other guys that are probably not going to be ready this upcoming season. I don't know if Dominic Hamill contributes. Calvin Ziegler's already hurt. He's years away. Christian Scott is a guy, he's pitching great. He's not exactly projected to be a top-of-the-rotation guy, but you then have to count on a couple of those guys stepping into pitch next year. So you've set yourself up where if you want to win next year, and I want to win next year, Pete wants to win next year. Most of us do. With Steve Cohen as owner, that's our expectation. They have put themselves in a spot where they got to buy a lot of pitching. And Max Scherzer made it seem as if that's not going to happen. So I think it's normal to be very mixed about everything that's happened. And that's where I'm at. 